Well, as you probably know, one of the world's largest humanitarian operations had been taking place in Afghanistan. About 20 million Afghans, about half the entire population, received some form of assistance in the first part of 2022. Um, and as of last month, the UN estimated that about 28 million people are in need, about two-thirds of the country, about 20 million facing an acute food crisis. Uh, international aid agencies have been the backbone of this for many, many, many years. When I was there, the times I was there, well, uh, the Canadian military was there. Um, one of the things you always notice is that women made up a big part of uh, the humanitarian effort in Afghanistan, certainly a big part of the non-governmental organizations that were there. Well, not long before uh, the holidays or right before the new year, the Taliban issued another edict. They've been slowly and steadily cracking down on women's rights as they came back to power banning women from working for international aid organizations. And this is a huge problem because not only do they deliver vital services, most of the clientele that they serve, if that's the right word, are also women and children. The consequences of that decision by the Taliban regime have been catastrophic or could be catastrophic. Many uh, aid groups are trying to speak to the regime to see if they won't change course on this. One of them is the Norwegian Refugee Council. Um, their Secretary General has been in Kabul this week. Here he is. This is something he posted on social media from the snowy streets of the Afghan capital on Sunday. I've come to Kabul to fight for the right of our female colleagues to work. Without our female colleagues, we cannot work. We will not work. We are not able to provide for the women of Afghanistan but we would also not be a principled employer if we agreed to this. That's Jan Egeland. He's the Secretary General of the Norwegian Refugee Council. So here we are in the winter in Afghanistan, a tough time. We knew this was going to be a tough winter in the throes of yet of, you know, a furthering humanitarian crisis. And a lot of the aid groups that do a lot of vital life-saving work in the country are not working because of this edict and what can be done about it. Joining us, with more on this now from Kabul is Neil Turner. He's country director for Afghanistan for the Norwegian Refugee Council. Uh, thanks so much for your time tonight. Thank you for having me. So you've had your secretary general there this week. I know that he's spoken to people. I gather he was grounded by some bad weather, not able to travel as much as he wanted to. But what was the message he was there to deliver? And is it being heard? Well, the message we're delivering is that for the moment, we have to pause our operations because we cannot work, as you said, without our female employees. They are essential to enable us to access women. And there are principles involved, but there's also the practicality that to assist the 800,000 people that Norwegian Refugee Council is assisting, we have to have women working with us, and we will not work with only male staff providing assistance to the male population. Uh, it's a severe crisis, and we have to have another decree from the authorities which clarifies this situation so that we can continue working. And that's what our Secretary General has been asking from the Taliban leaders. There was a hint of optimism in uh, in his social media post on Sunday, just a hint, a very faint one. Um, do you get the sense that there may be any turning here? Well, unfortunately, Jan Egeland was unable uh, to travel to Kandahar mm -hmm. yesterday, 
instead of uh, his travel, which was prevented by uh, the cold, bad weather that we're experiencing here, we are uh, presenting a, a letter to the uh, authorities in, in Kandahar uh, with the message that this new decree has to be made so that we can continue working. Uh, at the same time, um, there are some glimmers of hope in the sense that some of the um, sectoral ministries in Kabul uh, have said that, for example, in health and education, uh, there is an exemption uh, for female uh, staff working in, in, the, in these sectors. Uh, we have to be very careful with this because we have to make sure that not only do we have uh, the frontline workers, but we also have to have the office uh, back, uh, background workers uh, in logistics, in finance, and so on. They also have to uh, be exempt. Females have to work in these areas so that we can deliver the programs effectively. So in education, it's not just good enough for teachers uh, to be exempt from this ban, but we also have to have the whole administrative structure behind them uh, and have an exemption on, on females working in these areas as well. So we're working through that, and we are hopeful that we will be able to start some of our work soon, but I would reiterate, we will only do this if we have our female staff colleagues working with us. And the impact on your female staff, I mean, I saw some photos of your Secretary General meeting with some of the female staff that are, I gather, not working now uh, or not able to work. Um, the impact on them, and, and this came just a few days after uh, university education was banned as well. I mean, the impact on them must be indescribable uh, because oftentimes they're, you know, they're providing support to their families as well. I know, and I, I know that's they're probably still being paid, but just the whole ability, the whole idea of their work being taken away from them would be detrimental. Yes, Jan and I met with uh, the representatives of our female staff. Uh, it was quite an emotional meeting. Uh, they were describing to us the shock that they felt of this further egregious act by the Taliban authorities. And they are uh, often the sole breadwinners of their families and not only their families, but their extended families, because we have extremely high unemployment and an economic crisis in Afghanistan. And uh, one, of my, one of the female staff told me that her daughter, uh, who is nine years old, was asking her, what am I going to do when I finish my primary school? How did you get a job, mum, in um, NRC? And the answer was, well, I was able to go on to secondary education. I was able to go on to university, and I got my job with uh, NRC. But the girl, the young girl, is going to have her education stopped at the end of her primary years. And of course, these are devastating conversations to have with your, with your, with your children. Uh, it's just awful. Yeah, I mean, way back when, when we were, you know, when when, when Canada was had soldiers on the ground in Afghanistan, we were, of course, many of us were there, and we saw those girls getting their education. Like that was part of that was one of the the, the highlights of, of of what Canada was attempting to do there, at least on paper, was try to get uh, to improve girls' education. So we'd often go to girls' schools to see them learning, and 
the the passion for learning, the passion for work. I mean, so many of the organizations we would see, you know, the women form the backbone of those of those organizations. The, of, you know, the staffing of those organizations. I can't imagine the country even functioning without them. Uh, no matter what the Taliban would like to see happen here. Um, in the short term, the consequences. I mean, it's winter. You've been talking about. We saw the images from your Secretary General. The snow is falling in Kabul. I mean, we're heading into a really tough time. The immediate consequences may be dire if so many of your organizations can't be helping. It, it, it's absolutely dire. We we have uh, 24 million people in extreme need uh, of that. Probably six million are on the, the brink of extreme food insecurity. Uh, in layman's terms, that means famine. Uh, the other sectors which are affected are, for example, uh, water, where almost 13 million people are in danger of not having access to clean water. These are, these are extreme uh, figures. Uh, this is a, a very difficult um, situation. Uh, and we're having to balance uh, the need to be principled about the way that we work. And again, practically, uh, we simply cannot deliver the programs that we want to deliver uh, to women and children unless we have um, female staff working with us. And, and this is um, a cultural thing here. Um, men cannot uh, often go to um, uh, the houses of women. We need our women staff to do assessments. Uh, to deliver assistance to women. So it's absolutely essential that we get this uh, situation turned around. Neil Turner is with us this half hour from Kabul. He's country director for Afghanistan for the Norwegian Refugee Council. We've been talking about an edict that the um, Afghan government, the Taliban regime, um, put forth before Christmas, uh, banning women from working for international aid organizations and the incredible impact that that has had, not just on the work on the ground, but also the fact that the work is not being done. Uh, Neil, what can the international community, I'm sure you talked all your your counterparts on the ground about uh, the impact of this. What can we be doing more? What more can we do to try to force the Taliban's hand here? Is there anything that we can do? I think there are two things. Um, the first is that we need um, donor support uh, to continue our operations and, and to restart our operations where we can uh, with um, female staff uh, and some understanding from them that we need to uh, continue uh, to pay our female workers, obviously. Um, and the other thing is uh, any states, uh, particularly Islamic states, that, that have some influence over the Taliban, for them to join uh, and, and to get through to the Taliban leadership, that this uh, is uh, not something which is in line either with uh, Islamic values or, or with uh, Afghan cultural values, and that women have to be able to not only work, but uh, return to education. Uh, as you said, the, the gains uh, over the last 20 years in uh, girls' education in Afghanistan have been really quite remarkable. And now that's all in doubt. And we hope that sense will prevail and that anybody with influence uh, in Afghanistan will realize that this is something that needs to be changed. And between now and then, I suppose your hands are tied, right? There's simply, there's no way you can do the work and, and, and there's no way you can do the work in good conscience. And, and that's a really horrific position to find oneself in when there are so many people in need. It's a difficult dilemma, uh, but 
we are uh, hopeful that in certain sectors we can um, start working in principled way with our uh, female staff. And there may be areas of the country uh, where the authorities uh, will allow us to start working. And we're engaging with um, any uh, authorities uh, on a geographical basis or on a sectoral basis to make sure that they uh, that we can go ahead with our with our work, but we'll only do that with our women's staff. And we're already seeing some uh, possibilities here, um, but it's extremely difficult because even if we do start working with some kind of um, exemption or authority, uh, even on a local basis, we also need to look at the safety of our female staff because that um, that uh, permission to proceed needs to actually be accepted on the ground uh, by um, the security uh, apparatus uh, and so on, so that our, our female staff are, are not harassed. It's, it's quite a difficult situation, but we are hopeful that in certain places, in certain areas with certain services, uh, for example, in education, we will be able to, to start in a, in, a, in a safe way for our female staff. But then overall, the real solution for this is for a second decree to come from the high leadership of the Taliban, which um, reverses or, or clarifies why, um, um, how we can work. One of the um, um, reasons given in the decree um, that, we sh that we should not work with females is that uh, we were not observing the guidelines in relation to um, um, uh, correct uh, Islamic dress, the, the right. wearing of the hijab by our, by, our, by our female staff. That's simply not true. Uh, in our offices uh, for, a, for the whole of last year, uh, that we have been observing these um, guidelines on, on dress, uh, guidelines on the separation of men and women uh, in our offices. Um, and we've been living uh, with that, with those conditions, with those guidelines, and our, our staff have been respecting them. So if we can get a second decree, which maybe clarifies what the problem is, because we have no instance where we, we have, have not been observing these guidelines. If we can get that, uh, and we're hopeful of getting that, then we can fully proceed with uh, everything that that we're doing, and we're absolutely ready to do that as soon as possible. Neil, I certainly hope that's what happens. Uh, Neil Turner, thank you for your time tonight. Thank you very, very much.